Hey, Elaine. Hello. So you know how we do show discussions on the podcast I quite do. often? Yeah, I, ha- I have been here for the past three years, yeah. Can we do a household <laughs> discussion? A, a discussion about the house? More about our finances and how we use them. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure this is a discussion that's for the podcast, but come on, let's go with it. I have a line in the sand moment. Oh, is it, is it to do with... But it's to do with television, right? Yes. Yeah, it's to do with television, right. So what do you not want to pay for? I want to say fuck Disney+. Plus. Oh, no. Don't yeah. say that. They might sponsor us one day. <laughs> Seems um, unlikely. Yeah, We're not unlikely. offering sponsorships. <laughs> I mean, if anyone wants to. Um, Disney Plus will be fine. Yeah. Um, no, why? I'm enjoying... I'm watching things on Disney Plus. It's going up to ten ninety nine a month. Oh. Oh, I didn't know that. No. What What is it at the moment? Eight ninety nine a month. It just shows how it much launched I know about at five ninety nine a month. So it launched at five ninety nine. Like at the start of COVID. Right. That's fair enough. Yeah. Eight then eight ninety nine. You kind of go. Okay, it's still under a tenner. Yeah, it feels like a big jump. It's eleven pound a month. I mean, we don't go out much. True. Um, but it what? just seems like a huge jump and i'm happy to just pick and choose Mm -hmm. because at the minute we just have these and it's just kind of you forget about them and if you you don't watch anything for a month yes like it's kind of low enough to ignore yeah yeah i feel this is the barrier that's going to get a lot of people Mm. and they're just going to go to because we've got a lot of streaming services as well (laughs) yes we don't have shudder i think that's no no but okay i was thinking about like i wouldn't not a diss on Shudder, but that I wouldn't have thought of that as like a main one. You know, most people aren't like if I say to my mates, "Oh, Disney Plus," they'll know what I'm talking about. If I say Shudder, the majority of them will not know what that is. Depends which mates. Well, that's what I'm saying. The majority of them will. Yeah. Many people would, but the majority, you know, my average friend on the street will not know who Shudder. Are we naming who your average <laughs> no, friend on the no, street? No, no, we're is? not. Right. Oh, okay. Because one of the shows that I'm going to talk about is on Disney Plus that I'm watching at the moment. I'm thinking of the shows that were, which will be coming up in my top 10 TV shows of the year. And a number of them were on Disney Plus. But you're absolutely right. It, it depends how much you use it, isn't it? So if something like that comes on and everyone's talking about it, you'd subscribe to watch it, wouldn't you? Well, I'm happy to get it tactically. Mm. I think we, like... There's no point of getting everything at once. I think, like, at the start of a month, we have a look and mm. we choose which, maybe two, pick one each mm. for the thing and just binge whatever we want from there for the month. Okay. And then the next month, we get something else. Yeah, Shudder, maybe. Which apparently <laughs> the average man on the street doesn't know about. Average friend on the street, Mark. Average friend. <laughs> I think every man on the street is my friend. I wonder how I've missed this because I didn't see that. Disney Plus had gone up. Well, in because price. the oh. emails come to me, so yeah. Um, but just generally, you know, it, it kind of floats around a bit. People have these sorts of reactions, you know, on the social medias. Yeah, and I've I mean, just missed it. I'm just but, yeah. I'm just really. It used to be that like Netflix was four quid, and I don't know how much. Well, we don't pay for Netflix now because we get it free with Sky. Mm. But it seems like they're all sneaking up, and I'm I'm sorry that Disney need the money because you know. <laughs> So desperate. <laughs> They've took a bath on a few <laughs> films recently. More to come. Um, but yeah, I just think there is an it is an interesting point that you were making about this when you get to a price point, isn't there? Yeah. And I find the same thing with subscriptions to podcasts. I 
have subscribed myself to a podcast recently, like their um, their additional. Yeah. It's, like, it's not necessarily a Patreon, but it's a monthly subscription, which gets yeah. you extra extra things. We ha- we pay for Patreon for various podcasts. And there's something about, like you say, there's a line in the sand, isn't there, of where where you go to when you you're paying for that additional content yeah that even as people who create a podcast even i still have that moment where i go oh it's more than you know x amount like the one that i've just subscribed to recently is 2.99 a month which yes. for me is like i can't get a coffee for 2.99 yeah in a in a coffee shop yeah. so that makes it you know three quid a month for great content, very happy to support. But I did see something recently where where people were asking, you know, how much would you pay? And the prices did not start at two ninety nine. The prices yeah. started at would you pay ten to fifteen, fifteen to twenty and automatically my brain just went, Oh no, no, too high, too high. Whereas if you start a little bit lower yeah but but there is a there, there is an argument about if you're making something and putting it out in the world devaluing that i have i mean i have no problem with paying for something that i that i want to support i think the price has to be right and it's mm. it's not we don't have enough <laughs> disposable income to just blindly yeah. subscribe to everything we want to support so we and have I to make decisions your argument on this is this is disney yeah so yes yeah, yeah. i mean like do you remember when a, do you remember when the Empire, um, the Empire, do you remember when Empire launched their spoiler podcast? Yes, and the I spoiler think, special podcast. Yeah, yeah, and I think, it, the, it, I can't remember what the price was, but it was sufficient that we thought, ooh. Mm. And then they later came back and t- tweaked it down they a bit to it, a yeah. price which was right. Um, there is definitely a price, and I think it's very tough to find that. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because I don't think about how much we pay for that because we still subscribe to it. Yeah. Um. Similarly, on it's the, the same um company, but um Pilot TV. So I'm paying two ninety nine for the plus version of Pilot TV, and I don't even feel that coming out of the bag. And I don't even think about it now. Yeah. I don't even think about the fact that i'm paying it and i don't think about the fact that i'm paying for like the empire spoiler special because we decided to go for it at that price and then that was it you yeah know, yeah it's interesting how your brain just automatically goes, oh well that's that now yeah and i think i think it is the fact it's gone past 10 quid mm, just makes me think yeah psychologically yeah i mean and again there are people who i would f- pay to support mm. like there are podcasts i listen to rarely but i enjoy the people who do them and i've i'm i don't dis i don't not listen to them enough to cancel my patreon towards them like i i like to support them in what they do because i enjoy their overall product mm. but fucking hell like yeah. just because yeah. you've took a bath on the marvels it's uh not i don't see that <laughs> I, I realize you know you, you've got shareholders to pay but um so well, Mark, I, I support your financial decision. Well, that's nice. For the household. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> and thank you for this very interesting discussion on uh, the podcast we will pay for, the podcast <laughs> we won't pay for, and uh, the television that we definitely won't pay more than a tenner for. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we've got, I mean, I've got a little bit. Yeah, I've got I've got a little bit as well. I've got a couple of TV kind of shows. podcast works, really, isn't I it? have got the most obscure TV thing we've ever done. Oh, really? Yeah. Fabulous. More so that. than The Cat Burglar. Wow, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah. So did most people. <laughs> so yeah, I've got a couple of TV shows, and I've and I've got a film. <laughs> I've got a few films. I've got two TV shows. Should we get into TV? Let's do TV. Watching television, watching television. How many TV shows have you got? I've got two. I have got a historical drama and I've got a crime drama. Okay. I'm on brand. Can I start off with my really obscure thing? Go on then. So I'm going to review the most obscure thing that we've ever done, which is Superfan which is a documentary that no one will be able to watch unless you subscribe to the WWE Network. It says how much I enjoyed this, the fact that I feel the need to talk about this. Go on then. So Superfan is a documentary. It was first, I think it was filmed a couple of years ago. They released a trailer, um, but then there was a lot of management changes in WWE at the time, and it got put on the back shelf, and they launched it without any fanfare a couple of months ago. Someone just noticed it had been put on there. It's the story of Vladimir... Abu Zid, I think that's how it's pronounced, um, who is a guy who, from first watching wrestling in the late 80s, early 90s, was just in the background in the crowd. Every week, he had a front row ticket to Madison Square Gardens. Which just, is expensive. Just in the crowd. Yep. And no one knew how he got it. No one knew what he was doing there. And he's, it's, he's not the only person who does this. There is... Certainly when ECW became big in the mid-90s, there were it was a smaller venue and there were people who were always in the same spot. There was a guy who looked like... Um, what's, the, what's the guitarist from Faith No More called? Really? <laughs> really? I mean, I think when I was like 19, I would have remembered that because I was, to coin a phrase, riding in cars with boys who played Faith No More on their cassette player. Jim Martin. Great. I had James Martin in my head and okay. I was like, no, <laughs> he does Saturday James, Kitchen or I'm whatever I think it's James Hetfield, but now yeah. we're going off to Metallica. So yeah, he was a guy who had big long hair, looked a bit like Howard Stern, I guess, would be the other person who he looked like. There was a guy who always wore a hat, like a, like a straw hat. Obviously. You, you just knew them. But this guy was always at Madison Square Gardens whenever they were there, always in the front row. And occasionally you saw like wrestlers like acknowledge him. But it's only since the internet came about that people knew him as Vladimir. And people who go know Vladimir. And obviously, he's just he's a Haitian immigrant to America. Um, he's No one knows anything really about him. And this doesn't reveal that much because he's just a normal person. But it talks about how he, he used to get tickets. Uh, he's got, got a job, so doesn't go into what. I'm dying to know how he can get front row tickets all the yeah. time. So, has, so it doesn't reveal that? No, I mean, he, he used to... So, I mean, he doesn't necessarily get front row tickets now. He used to in the 80s, because he used to... It, wrestling is this guy's life. And so he used to get up and queue all night just to get the first tickets. And there's, it's quite interesting. There's a guy who's interviewed one of his friends who sat next to him all the time. But because Vladimir is tall and really ripped, like, he's really, like, spindly, I would say, like strong and he's got these funny glasses like these like um 80s glasses i guess you'd say like with the uh thin rim and very big um he just stood out so you just noticed him all the time but then he used to go to like he knew where the wrestlers were staying when they're in new york so he used to go and hang out with them in the bars so yeah and it, this kind of it's only a 45 minute documentary it covers him and that but then clearly when they were talk when they were interviewing him covid hit 
It's one of the best documentaries talking and covering how it felt during COVID because this is someone who lost people close to him as part of it and he's in tears at the time but he's when he's talking about it and he's suffered really bad mental health as part of the lockdown he couldn't do what he wanted Mm. Uh, this is a guy whose life is wrestling and it doesn't yeah it doesn't matter what it is he's just absolutely passionate about certain things and that was taken away from him he lost the person who was closest to him his mother um and it is absolutely heartbreaking, but a really, really interesting um, document of how it was to live during the years of 2020 and 2021. Um, uh, no one else who's listening to this is going to watch this, so I'm going to leave it there. Oh, they might do. I know you'd have to have a subscription to yeah. the WWE Network, but I wonder if it's going to be available elsewhere. I suspect not. I mean, okay. this has been very much. I think that's a shame. Yeah, but this is such a good. Do- I mean, I'll I'll put it on for you because I think mm. uh, you might get a lot out of it. It's yeah. it's really tough to watch at some points, mm. as it should be for something who's gone through this level of um of this uh, this trauma at uh, these mm. events. But it 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 ends really positively. Um, he you know people get in contact with him and. Yeah, it's it's well, we really know, really so interesting. Wrestling came back because yes. you've been seeing quite a lot of wrestling, and we've seen how things have progressed since you know the lockdowns have been been lifted. But I think it, it sounds to me like it's like you've said it's a really important document of what happens when community is lost. Yeah, so absolutely. His version of community, and we could mm. all have like our version of community might be going to the cinema by ourselves yes that could be our level and i felt i felt lost like Mm. during without those times i mean i remember walking to see the first film i saw when when the world reopened which was the mortal Kombat film that was remade (laughs) and getting halfway there and realizing i'd left my mask at home and thinking oh shit they might not let me in yeah. like and this was so important to me to build up mm. to that and i came and they were like oh no we've got we've got some here for you to use so um yeah that was yeah. but yeah it was mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's it's a brilliant piece of work it's only 45 minutes long it's i i wish that this was in available in a different method because yeah, i think yeah. this could be something it might just be that i've always wanted to do with this guy is that's in the background well, that, that I've seen. Think, you know i've seen sky documentaries on less than this yeah know? absolutely and it's 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 a really really brilliantly put together document of how it was during covid mm. which would have been unexpected i suppose at the time yeah absolutely absolutely yeah Anyway, <laughs> how do I move on from that? Uh, what do you want me to do first? Do you want the crown or do you want Shetland? Let's do the crown. Okay. So we are now in the sixth and final se- series. I almost said season then, and then I thought, nope, too American. So fi- sixth and final series of The Crown, which is essentially the story of the modern royals from Queen Elizabeth II's ascension to the throne all the way through to at this point where they're in in the sixth season um we're getting the death of princess diana and we're also getting sort of like kate and william meeting each other they've split this final series into two parts because there's a fair bit between those two events yes yeah so we've already had part one part one came out in november it's that's four episodes and essentially it's entirely diana and it's 
the last days of Diana. So you are watching in minute detail what Diana is doing in the run-up to her death. And then the last episode ends essentially where you where you get to in Peter Morgan's other exploration of the royals, which was The Queen, the film with Helen Mirren, which looked at what happened in the aftermath of Diana's death. I was about and to say that that sounds very uh, very familiar. This story, <laughs> yeah. So the last episode is essentially a, a truncated version of of the Queen. So does Michael Sheen play Tony Blair? <laughs> no, you know what? Bertie Carvel plays Tony Blair, and actually does it really well because you're only ever thinking of Michael Sheen, aren't you? Well, you think of Michael Sheen playing everyone now. I mean, who, who can Michael Sheen not play? But yeah, Bertie Carvel, who was the baddie in yeah. um, you know Dr. what Foster, I'm talking about yeah. Dr. Foster yeah, yeah I know the Bertie Carvel is yeah, yeah. yeah the baddie husband um, I, thought he, I thought he was a sympathetic one has, in that show <laughs> he has some amazing poofed up hair in this um, and he has some rather cringeworthy conversations with her madge um, but yeah if we backtrack I have absolutely loved the crown in its early incarnations I remember waxing lyrical to your parents about it and essentially saying, look, you know, you're getting to to go back in time. You're learning about young Prince Philip. You're learning about princess, you know, young princess Anne. You're, um, it's, and it's not just about the royal, it is called the crown because you're then getting into the political machinations as well. The different prime ministers that came along, the, the, the changes in culture, you know, the advent of television, some really really interesting explorations of british life to be honest with you and, and our our culture there's um a stunningly terrible and i mean that not terrible is as a criticism but terrible as heartbreaking recreation of the abafan yeah. disaster in one of the early series which i thought was incredibly well done in recreating what happened and um the queen then going and and meeting the victims of that disaster and also how that disaster came about but also just raising awareness for people who might not have known what had happened so i'd never heard of abafan before you mentioned it to me in this show and it's an awful 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 thing and the show depicts it as being as awful as it is, quite rightly. Mm. But I also thought, well, I'm pleased that people's awareness was was raised. Right. So it's doing lots of different things, The Crown, or at least it was in its early series. Here's my big and. Yeah. <laughs> this This latest series, I just cannot get on board with. First of all, we've now moved towards the Diana show, which I know was obviously a massive thing within the royal family. Um, even when she was divorced from Prince Charles, as he then was, you know, she was front page news. Um, the press will always, you know, after her, whatever she did, you know, it, it made um, headlines. Where, wherever she was, they followed her. So, of course, they're going to look at Diana but Diana isn't the only royal and Diana isn't the crown. Queen Elizabeth barely gets a look in. Prince Philip's popping up 
and he's played by Jonathan Price at this point. Every now and again, he pops up to say something a bit grumpy, and then he goes away again. All the nuance could have been worse. Yeah, I know. Um, all, all the nuance that Matt Smith, who played him as an, sort of like an earlier version, yeah, put into him, and all that characterization has gone. Mm. Um, and it's the same with the Queen. The Queen is just grumpy and angry and sharp, and you know, you never see her smiling. You never see any sort of warmth around around her. Princess Margaret sort of like flitting around in the background and she has such an interesting life. And people like Princess Anne, for example, who's one of the hardest working royals with a lot about her. She got a lot more in earlier series. Now she sort of just says a bit of like, she does a bit of a jolly what ho. Oh, let's all go out riding. I mean, that's, that's kind of it. how Princess Anne is in the public now. I mean, yeah. she keeps herself to herself, I think. I know, but I think the, the, the beauty of the show was that you got to see not necessarily the private life and the personal life, but you got to see the royals as three-dimensional people. So I'm going to pull you up here mm. because a lot through this description, you've mentioned it's a document, it's it, it's showing things. My problem with The Crown is, and this is why I've never been interested in it, is that I don't think it is a document. This is a fictional TV <laughs> yes, show yeah, yeah. based on reality. And yeah, I think right. subconsciously my issue is I got into this and I'm not sure what bits of true and which bits are just made up by someone all i can say is that i know that in the earlier series of course there will be some historical inaccuracies but i felt that there was a lot more put into the you know the 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 veracity of of what was being done and a lot more put into the characterization and understanding the people i have issued I, i have issues with this and we've seen this with things around covid and things like that where there have been things based on the truth i think there was one about boris johnson and i my for some reason i just really dislike them because i feel that whatever they say can quite often become gospel mm. even though it's based on speculation yes. and, and i've that, I mean, make a make a program slagging off Boris Johnson if you want. And like, I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll um I'll, I'll give you some lines if you really want. But I, I I really have a problem, and I don't quite understand why I draw a line here and not with other TV shows or anything like that. But these semi-true, it might have happened like mm-hmm. this thing. I, I just can't get into it. Yeah, and, and I understand that. I think in the past, what I've done is I've had a little look to see what mm. has happened. I've maybe seen that cer- certain things that might have been a year out or someone who's at an event had died a few months before. It has never... M- I just feel it's taken a massive, massive leap this series. And it's because we don't know what happened in those final days with Diana and someone who gets missed out of this a lot and who did also die yes Dodie fired yeah we we don't know what happened between them Mm. because they were alone when they were having those conversations what i find really really difficult in this series is that there are full conversations there are um, and these things have to be imagined because no one knows you know it's it's not like 20 or 30 years have passed and maybe some people have died and then ladies in waiting have said certain things or people who are in the room have then felt able to say oh um well i was actually there i was a private secretary and i was there and i saw the letters and 
and we've had maybe um books you know mm. that have been written about about these things in this instance people were these two people were alone in paris and no one else was in the room so when i am seeing events occurring on screen that i just i just it's so unbelievable to me that that would that would have taken place yeah i mean i'm um, look I t- you you argue you mm, preach into yeah, the choir yeah, know. you know you really are with me on this i mean uh, i'm surprised that there hasn't i, I mean i've not read much i'm not mm. has there been much backlash on this because oh, i think huge yeah absolutely i think huge. like i i the whole thing doesn't interest me yeah. at all but just from a thing going over the death of 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 death of two people well three three if, of if course you, if you count the show, which obviously yeah. it doesn't get much for looking either I, I wasn't sure whether henry paul had died yes, or not i was yeah. trying to remember myself um the death of three people i if you want to talk about how the queen dealt with something that prince philip has done mm, mm, that's mm. it's not for me but if clearly you're making a lot of money out of it mm. and it, so it's working for some people to do the same over the death of three people, I find, I, I think it's been, been bad taste and, um, and I think it's, it's not something I'd choose to watch. Even away from the Diana situation, I just feel it's moved from what I really liked about it. I mean, I love the lavish nature of it in, in, the, in the earlier series, but that political, you know, learning about the prime ministers, learning about big events that happened in the past. Yeah. I really enjoyed that and that, I just, you know, we Blair pops up every night. It it feels almost parody now. Yeah. Even though you've still got that lush nature of it. I mean, there's a lot of money being put, and there's certain scenes where Elizabeth Dubnicki, she just, she just looks like her. She, you know, she sat on the end of a, of a boat, kicking her legs in exactly the same swimming costume, and it is uncanny. You know. It's time going backwards in part yeah, of it exactly. because she does spend a lot of tenant doing that as well. <laughs> she does she does yeah anyway i i don't really want to just sit here and trash it because a lot of people are getting a lot out of it i know that maybe and maybe maybe this is the thing there's a younger audience that didn't live through these events that are now learning about them i'm i just question what they're learning because like you say they will be thinking that things that happen in in this show and for example, Mohammed Al Fayed does not come out well here. And I know that there's lots of critics of Al Fayed, but he's almost pantomime villain in this. And the things that he's saying and what he's doing, and you know, you might as well have, you know, start rubbing your hands together and doing a villainous cackle at, at mm. times. Lost a son. Y- yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think he, he died recently, and I do wonder that if had he still been alive, whether. You know, I mean, I think he would have had a lot to say about it because he yeah. had a lot to say about these events. I just, yeah, there's something just not quite... There's, there's a, an, another line that has been crossed. I just don't feel I want to watch the second part because I'm also not really that interested in watching Prince William, you know, seeing his future wife in that sort of slightly... Because they're going to they're gonna do the, slight, the see-through dress walking down a catwalk thing, aren't they? That That, that really famous... Do you know about this? You're looking. I don't really... know about this. No, there's there's a very famous shot. There was um when they were at university, there was like a fashion show, and she has like a mesh dress on, yeah, with some underwear underneath, and obviously they're like 1920 at university 
you're not thinking, oh, what am I going to be in 20 years' time? Um, she should never be queen. <laughs> stop it. So, yeah, they're going to recreate that. And I'm like, do I need to see that? I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I do. I want to know about their interaction with the next door neighbours. But um, anyway, moving on. I only only wanted to do five minutes on that. And there we go. Yeah. (laughs) What have you got? Loki. Loki. I forgot about Loki. Speaking of Disney Plus. Yeah. Remember when I used to watch... Remember when we used to watch all the Marvel shows? Day one. Like WandaVision was WandaVision lunchtime from work. I used to come down... Uh, we used to watch it, and then we used to like spend the afternoon thinking about WandaVision. Um, Disney have really fucked up um, <laughs> by making even Marvel non-essential now. Um, we talked about it with, um, with Star Wars, didn't we? What was the show we talked about recently? Was well, Andor, uh, and then Ahsoka. Ahsoka, Ahsoka. that's Ahsoka. it. Ahsoka. Yeah. So. Loki season two. I wasn't as high on Loki season one as most people were, or as many people were, should we say. Um, but it had a really interesting cliffhanger at the end of it. Uh, it was a. It's tied into what's happening in Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's how it was called. Yeah, it's a real plus point for a film when nine months later you can't remember what it's called isn't it when you're that that invested in the product as i was and so season two came back and obviously there is the there is the subplot here of this is a show that's based around the character kang and there is casting decisions which need to be made by disney everyone will know if you're interested in this what i'm talking about i'm not going to go into it but yeah do some googling if you wonder what I'm talking about. But I'm interested to see how they how they progress this. A lot of this show is really really bollocks. Um, there is so much timey wimey stuff that they lean on. But isn't that the whole point of the show? But it's got no context. So it's just if I just say to you, oh um yeah you need to get this now. Oh, okay, right. Okay, that's that's great. So we need to make this thing. Why? I just do. And then that's an that's an episode. There's so many characters being added on, and from it's, I've heard I've heard listeners of Cinemile, and they put it best when they said when they went from episode one to episode two, they felt like they've missed out an episode because there's mm-hmm. stuff being referenced, which just has no context whatsoever, and I'm like what the fuck's this why am i having to google like concepts and characters that you've clearly introduced but i've no recollection of who you're talking about at all um it has episode four of it has a really really wild swing towards the end of the episode um and fair play to them for trying something but I didn't enjoy this season at all. I've heard people say it's the best thing that Marvel's done since Endgame, and I I really wish it was for me. But for me, it is just sci-fi nonsense. Um, and it I'm I'm really I've I've not, I've still not gone beyond episode four, and I've had it sat episode five sat there for two weeks. Oh, okay, because I was going to ask you that the so I started episode one, couldn't get into it at all. I find Loki difficult anyway. Yeah. Not because of the timey-wimey stuff, because I like that sort of thing, and I like my sci-fi, but I just not... 
I don't like the aesthetic. Weirdly, I don't like that sort of 1960s aesthetic. And I, what I really hate about it is it's all, it feels very claustrophobic. It's all sort of like, it's like they're in a big cave, isn't it? I feel like the walls are, and the ceilings are coming in on me in the place where they are. I, I don't know what it's called, you know, where they're sort of doing all of the time. I want to say the TVA. That's that it. might be yes, wrong. Yes, that's it. No, that, that makes total sense Which to for sure Sham, Sham watching, it's a little bit of a And it's quite orangey and it's yeah. that, 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 which I know a lot of people really love that, but I find it just really, really difficult sensorily to, to sort of get my head in. I need to be outside and I need to be in, you know, feel like I can breathe and I don't feel I can breathe when I'm watching it. And also I just wasn't that interested in what was what was happening. But on podcasts that we listened to, people were saying that the last episode was like fundamentally amazing and people were crying and all, all of this sort of stuff. So I was hoping you were gonna say, and even the last episode, didn't it? So, but you're not there yet. I'm not there and yet. You may never get there. I will. Mm. I will because I need to for my end of year. I like enough people who I respect have said this is a great season. I wish I'd seen it. So far, this is just sci-fi concept after sci-fi concept with absolutely nothing tying it together. So yeah, I'm I'm really disappointed in that. And um, yeah. Um so you can stick your fucking ten ninety nine up your ass. <laughs> no I've sponsorship got, deals here. I've got two weeks to to watch it before the <laughs> for our next thing. Uh, actually, I think we've got another month at seven ninety nine, however much wow. it is. But um, yeah, great. Watch everything. Yeah, I'm gonna blip binge some films. Are you ready for a crime drama? <sighs> do 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 alert alert. I've had nothing but Shetland for the past I'm two very weeks. I'm excited to talk about it. <laughs> okay. No, you haven't. I haven't spoken to you about Shetland. But it's been. I put some stuff on Instagram about it. It's been in the air. What do you mean in the air? It's been in the air of the house. I know you've written something about I it. I've written and, a full review, yeah. and then I had to shorten the review down to get it on Instagram. But I did write an 892 word review at one point. Right, here we go. Are you ready? Uh, we'll get it out of the air. So I just don't... I just thought Shetland was kind of Rosemary and Time light. No, it's really not. Is this something that you've watched the previous seasons of? Oh, you really haven't... You you haven't read my review on Instagram, have you? Um, no. <laughs> so, March 2013 is when Shetland hits our screens, right? It's based on the books by Anne Cleves, who's from round here. She's always popping into to, yeah Vera, always popping into um our local bookshop as well. So she's and she does um film festival. I here wish as I had well. a local bookshop. <laughs> you do have a local bookshop. There's You've a, been in the local bookshop with me. There are bookshops that are near You've me. Stood outside. I the could local not bookshop. say with good conscience I have a local bookshop. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. It would make we it, have the same one. It would be a lie. <laughs> so she's written these books, but the, they're not based around here. They are based. Where are they based? Funnily enough, they're based in Shetland or the Shetland Isles because I've learned there's lots of isles, yeah, all made up, and they call it Shetland. And the detective at the in in her novels was a guy called Jimmy Perez, who in the TV show is played by Douglas Henschel, who funnily enough looks like he wants to be anywhere other than the Shetland Isles, which I always found quite funny. He just quite morose, so he is there uh, until 2022 and then he decides he's going to leave and you would think 
that would probably be the end of it. And I thought that was probably going to be the end of it. And I didn't really worry about it at the time or really think much more of it because... You've, I've never I, heard you mention this show. So <laughs> if you're going to say worry about it, I'm not going to take that seriously. I, I didn't worry about it because I got to series three and I just stopped watching it. Now, I think that might have been a series where one of the main characters suffers a sexual assault. And okay. I don't know whether that was the thing that made me go, oh, I might leave this alone for a little while. But anyway, whether that's coincidence or not, I kind of missed an episode, I missed another episode, and then another series came around, and then series five and series six, and I just thought, you know what, I've sort of, I've missed so much of it, but I did really enjoy it, I enjoyed the setting, it's obviously incredibly picturesque, but also there's the savagery of being right on the sea, you know, the the the, the metamorphic rocks, but also the beautiful country. You know, it's a really, really amazing place up there. And I really enjoyed the characters, you know, the, the people who were really into the culture of Shetland. But also, it's quite funny, isn't it, how such a sparsely populated area has such a big crime problem. So, didn't think about Shetland at all until... I then saw that it was coming back for this new series and it wasn't going to be just another bloke put into the role of the detective inspector. They were going to have a woman. Oh, I mean, amazing. Um, and the woman was Ashley Jensen, who I know mainly from extras. So she was Maggie in extras, but she'd been in lots of other things as well. And they were bringing her back to, to Shetland. She was someone who was from Shetland, but she'd gone to work at the Met. So she's coming back to Shetland for reasons. And she was going to team up with um, the person who was with Douglas Henschel for all those time, which is um, Tosh. Her, her name is um, uh, Macintosh is her surname. So they call her Tosh. And she's played by Alison O'Donnell. Um, and Tosh has kind of always been second fiddle because the main detective inspector's been there and she's been like the detective sergeant but in this now she's the temporary detective inspector and she teams up with Ashley Jensen's Ruth Calder who has lots of history on the Shetland Isles and then there's this storyline that goes around them that there's a witness to a murder who has come back to Shetland because again they are from the Shetland Isles as well and there's all this history there's history with Ruth's family her dad was the vicar her brother is now the vicar now that the dad's died. He's got married, but she's never came to the wedding. There's old lovers that she, you know, she's... And what I really like about her is she's no angel. You know she's had a past on this island, but she's also, she's run away for a reason. Why she's run away? Lots of people with lots of secrets um, within the aisles. People who seem perfectly normal and reasonable, but you know that there's something behind them. And I have just loved this. I've loved it for two reasons. A, I think the writing is really, really good. I couldn't see where it was going. It, you know, there was a there was a um, plot point at the end of episode one which I did not see coming. And I watch these programs all the time, so I should be able to see that. I normally can guess what's happening by about you know half an hour in episode one, knowing what's going to happen in episode five. But the the main thing for me is just having two women at the heart of the detecting. So yes, there are other people in the team, but you know, so many detective shows have men at the heart of it with women being the, oh, you know, Sandra, can you go and find me what's happening 
on this computer or you, do you know what I mean like yeah they're always on the periphery of oh well th- there's the woman that does the computing or there's the woman that's gonna do the uh, they're always for forensics you know there's the forensic team that's a woman or the pathologist let's make the pathologist a woman that that's a real trope within crime how many female detective duels can you name Rosemary and Tan <laughs> yes very good Agatha Raisin and um, <laughs> Agatha Raisin's friend. I you, don't know. You've been you've been reading my review. Uh, no, I haven't. They're, they're they're both mentioned. I, I'm 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 not. It's you said um, Ashley Jensen's from lots of things, and I was like, I can't think of lots of things with her in. <laughs> yeah, and I'm Agatha scrolling through. Um, she was also well, in the remake of Ducktales. Oh, yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, like Cagney and Lacey, Scott and Bailey. I can't name many male detective things, but yeah. Well, like Morse and Lewis, and but even I'm not even talking about just two men. I'm talking about like um, there's often gender parity. So Mulder and Scully, for example, you know that that sort of thing. You could you can find lots of that, but just having two women. And then I started to think, I went right down a right rabbit hole of like, where are your disabled detectives? If if you do get that level of representation it's it's often an after let's be honest it's often an afterthought or it's often a let's let's do it here but not necessarily as a main character here we've got two women who are at the heart of a detective show and i I just want to say i just really really liked it I, i like it for that because they're not tropey it's not um oh they're up against each other oh they're really competitive or um, oh, Ashley Jensen's come in as the big I am, and she's they're just working together like normal women. And yeah, I just I really enjoy it as if you like your crime dramas and maybe you haven't looked at Shetland before, I'd really, really give it a good old good old bash. It's got a really good old fashioned who done it in it, and the detecting characters are really, really good. I'm really enjoying it. Do you have to have seen? anything no, about them not at all and i think that's what's really good about this as well is that you know i've not watched many many series and i could just pick up i, I know that this guy does this and this guy does that and i even if i didn't know anything about tosh as the you know temporary detective inspector you you would be able to work out with just her why are you laughing because i just think of tosh lines from <laughs> yes, the bill and i think i think it's a reference I think it's a reference to Tosh. I mean, it has to be, doesn't it? No, it doesn't have to be. No. Because it'll be a it reference like to the, to the source material, surely. Yeah, but maybe that's where Anne Cleve's got it from. Maybe next time I see her in town, I should say. At our local bookshop. Yes, at our local bookshop. Did you call her Macintosh? Tosh in brackets. Because of Tosh lines from the bill. But is Tosh, is Tosh lines named Macintosh? Oh, I don't know. No, he's not. He's DJ Al- uh, DJ DC Alfred Tosh Lines. Oh, there we go. He learned something new. Anyway, <laughs> Shetland, five stars. Five stars. <laughs> yes. Um, good. I mean, I'm I'm glad you found something that you like. And if anyone wants to know more about Shetland, please see my review on my Instagram at Elaine G Writes. Saturday night at the movies. Cast 
before we get going on film, we just wanted to mention that we have new microphones, which we are very tempted to do the hello, Mark Strong from the cinema thing all the time on. That's not been probably on for 10 years. Yeah, but it's when I have a microphone in my hand, which, you know, to be fair, is rare. Uh, But when I do have one, that's the first thing I want to do. So I'm glad that we've managed to avoid that on the podcast so far. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but just to mention that we recorded the TV part of the podcast last night and now we're recording the film part. So you may hear a difference in the audio. So much time has passed, we are no longer a member of Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you, have it, you so cancelled it? Oh, yeah. right. We've still got wow. it for another month or until the beginning of next month, but yeah. So if there's anything you want to watch, you need to watch it now. And so much time has passed that I have realised that you need to put the microphone nearer your mouth because I went back to edit the TV section and realised that Mark was sounding absolutely beautiful and I sounded like I was in a different room. I think better podcasts wouldn't even mention this, but um. <laughs> well, I just I feel there's going to be a difference between the TV section and the film section. At least I hope there is. I hope I'm now using the microphone properly, and also I hope that it sounds better with our new mics because they were expensive. Films, <laughs> films. So I'm going to cover Bottoms. Yes, which has been Good. out a while. For now, for now. <laughs> great reference. Great I- reference. Um, so Bottoms, how much do you know about Bottoms? Oh, very little. Um, I've m- in my brain, it's like an independent film. It's women. I think it might be a queer story. Yeah, that's kind of all I know at the moment. Yeah, so it's directed by Emma Siegelman, who did Shiva Baby, which was one of my favourite films of that year. I remember that. Not mm. on my top ten, and because I only saw it after, annoyingly, but yeah, would definitely would have been like top two or three of that year when it came out. And this reunites her with Rachel Sennett, who you will know from Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yes, I do. Yeah, I know exactly who you mean. Um, Ayo Adibri from, um, I've probably butchered that pronunciation, but from The Bear uh, is also in this. And they start as a pair of high school friends who are at the bottom of the social circle. So they decide to set up a fight club in order to meet other girls. The thing that drew me to this is it's one of these films that was around and was going up the charts on Letterboxd for quite a while because it was released in America a couple of months before the UK. And I was looking at it, and it's a high school comedy, which I'm always a sucker for. Mm -hmm. But then when it was released, people were mentioning it was in the same vein as 10 Things I Hate About You. (laughs) No bigger recommendation for me. Absolutely. Having seen it, I don't think 10 Things I Hate About You is necessarily the right reference. I think the main two characters are kind of in a 10 Things I Hate About You um, type film. However, every single person around them is in a more farcical comedy, something like Not Another Teen Movie. So, like, you get the American football team in this are all wearing their kits, including pads, all day, every day as they're walking around school. So it's really heightened. One of them is so out of control. He's in a cage at the back of class. Right, okay. Yeah, it's it, yeah, incredibly heightened, I think. is And I will defend 10 Things I Hate. And I will defend Not Another Teen Movie. Not a lot of people like that <laughs> film. Introduce us to Chris Evans. Captain America came from there. That's yeah. all I'll say. Um, it's very of its time. Yeah, I mean, this is, it, it's, this is a queer movie. And I think that's very rare to have something sort of this farcical to 
be in that space. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to be mentioned loads of different films that I'm missing, but it felt really refreshing in that way. Like, um, yeah, uh, this is absolutely hilarious. Like, I was laughing out loud in the cinema, and it was sparsely populated, mostly females, which I think is a, probably a good thing because, um, you know, I think as we've discussed before, high teen, low twenties girls aren't necessarily the most catered for in the absolutely um in in the in the film stakes but yeah uh, laugh out loud funny um it took a little while to get to to understand the the tone of this but once i was in i was in if i had a problem i'd say that the ending was pretty rushed and just kind of came out of nowhere it kind of seemed like they needed an ending and they went towards it but by that time I was with them I enjoyed these characters I found them really funny the teachers are funny the friends are funny um it does take a really really fun turn at, at high school and the politics within but yeah right up your street. yeah absolutely I really really think this is worth checking out um if you've got any love for those sort of it almost feels like a late 80s um you know like <sighs> You know, like, bawdy comedies. Mm, I mean, there's yeah. there's nothing of any, like, nudity in this, as mm-hmm. far as I remember. But it feels like, it feels more in turn like one of those things that you get kind of on the second to top shelf of the uh, video shop. I know what you mean, yeah. yeah. Um, there was one that we rented once called Evil Tunes, which was, like, yeah, just um, a group of girls fighting... Um, some cartoons batting some cartoon monsters <laughs> i think david carradine turns up at one oh my point God. yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah uh, like really good recommendation i think this might be in my top 10 it's hovering mm-hmm. around there for the year so uh yeah we might speak about this again soon well we're definitely going to be speaking about the next film because i'm going to talk about saltburn yes and this is absolutely going to be in my top 10 of the year and I, I think it's going to be really, really high. At the moment, I can't stop thinking about it. And I can't think of anything that's going to surpass it. But I haven't had a good look at the earlier films of the year. So I'm, it might be something that I'm completely missing that will take over this. But at the moment, it's all I can It's all I can think about. And it's all I can like process in my mind. There are scenes in the film that I've thought about since I've seen it. And the themes as well of excess and obsession that has also stayed with me i'm not going to talk very much about what saltburn's about because you've not seen it yeah and i think this is one of those films that we we talk about a lot on the podcast there are certain films where the less you that's terrible grammar but you know don't know anything about it (laughs) i was about to say the less you know about it the better but i think that's right without giving anything away it is a working class lad goes to oxbridge and finds himself with new friends who are posh and plot occurs that is you know as far as i'm i'm gonna go yeah the working class lad is um barry keoghan and the posh people include um jacob belordi who is going to be playing elvis in sophia coppola's priscilla which i'm really looking forward to he's an australian actor brilliant accent you wouldn't that already out i don't i don't think so so you've also got uh, people like Richard E. Grant and Rosamund Pike um, turning up, as well as other actors, which I'm not going to go into, because actually when they turn up, it's a real delight. Uh, but that's your your core two are um, Barry Keoghan and 
Jacob Bellordi as these two people from very different worlds, these two lads. And what I love about it is also it's set in the early 2000s. Emerald Fennell, who's the, the writer and director, and this is her follow-up to Promising Young Woman, she's talked about it, about setting it at this time because it's a sort of a... a a moderate fashion but like no one's going back to the early 2000s going yeah we're going to bring that back but once you when you see it on the screen you know exactly when you are and i, I love that about that early 2000s I mean, it's been 20 years atmosphere. i know it's like know. a film from the 80s being in the 60s you yes. know like th- there is perf- plenty of time but yeah you're quite right like no one's harking back to the early 2000s yeah. apart from me and you which yeah well, that's true in most things um, we do yeah we'll see um what i love about this film is that and and the reason it resonates with me so much and it is i have to say it's been a divisive film yes so some people really don't like it empire gave it three stars which i was like what you know and then other people have gone the way that i have but very few um the the reason i really like it is because i am from a a working class background and the themes that this film speaks to really resonates with me there are scenes where barry playing uh, oliver quick oliver has to go into spaces where he is other he has um addiction in his family which is something i've had he has um you know he doesn't have the frames of reference that these people have and they all know how it works they all know the code they know the language they know what to wear and they all know each other yeah and they have doors open to them i have been in situations in my life where i've walked into a room and i have realized that the other people who were there were also you know they were clever people they've got through interviews but they had so much more social capital than me they expected to be there whereas i was clinging on by my non-existent fingernails thinking how am i going to stay in this room and also i'm never going to get this job because the people over there are wearing suits from shops i've never heard of and just expect to be here they don't have any nervousness about them even if they did have that they're not showing it the levels of confidence and the levels of i just should be here i'm expected to be here have shone through and i've also had situations where i've you know i've gone to and this is this has been in my early 20s i went to interviews and at a big law firm one big law firm in particular wearing a cheap marks and spencer suit because i'd never worn a suit before i didn't know what sort of suit i should be wearing I was wearing the wrong tights. I was wearing the wrong shoes. I looked a little bit like a mini Margaret Thatcher because to me, I thought that's how you dressed to go to an interview. I had no one to show me how you looked in that world because no one from my background was in that world. Yeah. And the (laughs) the feedback I got was that 50% of the partners loved me. 50% of the partners really didn't like me and had I thought about how I presented myself. And that's what they were saying. They were saying, you know, get a get a better suit you know we can see your marks and spencer's cheap mm. suit polyester suit and we can see the shoes that no one's been wearing for the last 10 years that is why this film speaks to me so much i'm glad i didn't work in law at any point yeah yeah it's it's a lot lot better now yes but and also a lot of that will be a chip on my shoulder of me thinking oh these people have 
this background that I don't have. There will always be that. But I know what it is like to be in these spaces and not to have the same life experiences as other people. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had less experience of this than you, I understand. I mean, I've been to... I went for an interview at a very high fashion place last year where I did not fit in whatsoever. And it was... Like, I felt it was very clear. And it, it was a chip on my shoulder about that. Um, yeah, it's... I understand where you're coming from. There has been times where I've been in rooms with people where I'm the only person who didn't go to Oxbridge, for yes, example. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I grew up, like, firmly in the middle class. So, let you know, let me say it clear. But it was made very clear that um, I was the odd one out, out of all this. Yeah. I was like, my house is... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I did well for myself. What's, what's wrong with you? Well, that's it. You start to sort of... But when we're talking about yeah. societies yes. and which, which schools you went to and yes. um, yeah, and white tie things, I'm mm. like, what is a white tie dinner? Because yeah, I've yeah. never come across this That's before. Um, yeah, I, I understand this. So I'm going to see this on Thursday, yeah. um, providing I'm not going out for a pint with someone. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Cause I so, huge. so want you to, to, to see it. Can I, I, might, I might save my thoughts for the top 10 of the year <laughs> yes. and see if it's... Uh, it's uh, going to be one way or another. I don't think you can come out of this feeling sort of like ambivalent about it. You're either going to love it... Three stars, Empire. Well, yeah, I know. But it's a very interesting re- review, actually. It's Sophie Butcher who's written the review. And I, I agree with what, what she's saying. I don't think she is ambivalent. I think it's the, the star rating that yeah. she has... Um, well thought through criticisms and I, I enjoyed reading the review i could see past those things probably because of all of this baggage that i'm bringing to it the other thing is it goes to places that you just you won't imagine it goes to and there are times in the cinema where you will sit there and i'm really hoping this will happen with you you will sit there and go they're not doing that they're not doing that oh they are doing that oh they're oh right they're they're doing that right stop talking because i'm (laughs) I'm starting to piece i'm trying to piece this together in my mind which is not helpful no but yeah there are there are directorial and cinematic things that occur that have stayed with me that's all i'm i'm gonna say good i mean that's (laughs) good no i mean because that's i mean that's that happens in promising a woman as well you know like it's but this yeah. is like, you know, when you go to the cinema and you're like, I have been to see a film today. Whether you love it or hate it, you will, will walk out of that and go, I've been to the cinema. And that's what I loved about it. And, and the, <laughs> the other thing. Sorry, I'm not letting <laughs> you get away with that. <laughs> I got to cinema like once a week. It's fine. I know, but you know, you really feel that this is a film that needs to be seen in a cinematic setting. And I say that with and i'm gonna have a go at odeon went to the odeon to see this audience perfectly brilliant lights didn't go down properly Ooh. and the the screen was so dark to the point where i was sitting there thinking no one's going to turn these lights off you know it was sort of like just a spotlight sit, so you could see your cup in front of you which you never you shouldn't be able to see i could see what the person at the end of the row was fully wearing you know the, and i had to put my glasses to a point where I was blocking out the spotlights. No one went to tell. I, I was going to, I was right in the middle of a row. No one went to say anything to anyone. But it is a testament to the film that even though it was, sometimes it was so dark, I couldn't see what was happening. And I knew it wasn't that dark because I've seen the trailer. So when scenes from the trailer came on, I was like, yeah, this is the cinema. Mm. 
projecting this really really poorly but also you know the the light obviously the lights being on essentially even with all of that and this is the testament to the film i just sat there and watched it because i was enjoying it so much i didn't want to get up and miss any bit of it even though it wasn't the perfect viewing experience sack off that earlier i know I have. I'm, I'm going to yeah good good well i went to the cinema <laughs> and i saw the marvels great and when i walked out i said i've been to the cinema <laughs> and i've seen a bang average mcu film uh okay so the follow-up to captain marvel which was released in 2019 i want to say brie larson comes back as karen danvers uh tiana paris comes back bringing on her role from WandaVision. And Iman Vellani brings back her Miss Marvel character from the TV show of the same name. Did you watch Miss Marvel? Yes, I did. I did. Um, I don't think I finished it. Or I if I did, you did finish it, I can't really remember how it finished. I thought you hadn't finished it, but then I remember there being something at the very end, mm -hmm. like a musical oh, yes. reference there's a, there's a to thing something. At the, yes, yes. Which, I do yeah. remember now. Yeah, It was fine. I enjoyed yeah. her yes. rather than the show itself. I thought she was brilliant. Guess what my review is? <laughs> is it something similar? Yeah, so Iman Vellani is steals this mm. because she is such a great oh, character actress, um, such a great character and actress, yeah. shall we say. Um, She's so likeable, isn't she? They've really found like a gem in her. Um, Brie Larson, I think he's fine. I get the feeling she's got one eye on doing other things, yeah. uh, personally. Uh, Tiana Paris, I think, is really likeable. You get next to fuck all introduction to um, Monica Rambo and Miss Marvel if you haven't seen the TV shows. Oh, really? If you thought that, if like we discussed with Doctor Strange yeah. and the Multiverse of Madness, that's right. Yeah. Like how lost you'd be if you hadn't seen WandaVision. Yeah, times it by about five oh, for really? this. Like the. There is a little bit of an introduction for Miss Marvel. Turner Paris just appears on screen. Um, the bad guy. In, do you know who the bad guy is in this? I had it in my mind, and now it has gone again. <laughs> Go on, tell me who it is. Um, Zoe Ashton. Oh, Zoe Ashton. Yes. Yeah. Recently off Strictly That's a, yes, Come yeah, Dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We spotted her on Strictly Come Dancing with uh, her lovely partner. Tom Hiddleston. Pushed to the front. Yeah, right at the front. Beautiful right, dress. Right, right, right into the camera. Right into the yeah. camera. Well, you would, wouldn't you? I mean, I think that the writers of this also forgot about her or something's oh, really? gone on. Because she's so good. She's such a great presence and she has less than a fuck all to oh, do in this film. It's, what a waste. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It is It is a three-hander of mm. people bouncing off each other. Um, there's funny bits. There's bits where I'm like... <laughs> It is incredibly diverse. I mean, out of the entire... I can think of two um, white males in this out of a cast of probably about 50 people. Mm -hmm. um, one of which is the dad from Billy Elliot. Oh, really? And, the Scottish fella? Yeah. And the other one is the biker boyfriend from Sex Education. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that I know exactly who you mean. With those descriptions. Yeah, yeah, see? Yeah, we've lived together far too long. <laughs> I was going through the motions. This was like an average to below average MCU movie. And then came the final five minutes. 
there is a pre-credit credit sequence and a mid-credit sequence, both of which have got me excited for future developments in the MCU in a way that none of the other things really have since Endgame. Um, I don't know if you've been spoiled on them at all. No, I haven't. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd avoid I'd avoid spoilers, and you might just want to fast forward to the end. Okay. But there is some really really interesting things. Now I've heard people criticise them, and I can understand that. But yeah, I'm. It got so me. It sets things up. For yes, it sets things new. up for future films, mm-hmm. and as opposed to many of <laughs> the previous. Um, post credits things i genuinely believe these will happen because i think they are big developments that they can't really ignore um yeah it's it's all right i think is probably the best i can say but it leads me to believe that there'll be something coming up that make that makes me quite excited okay oh well, that's good because um today i was listening to the rest is entertainment which is a new podcast by marina hyde and richard osman and it's their second episode what are you gonna say like you look fucking like richard osman gets in everything yeah. doesn't he i know i know coming and on I our podcast backs i mean they don't need me to talk about it but what what, what you pr- what we probably need is your book to sell more than him and then yeah, and, and then that'll get well him. hey i'll be very happy if that happens um i don't think <laughs> it I will <laughs> yeah i think we'll all be retired yeah. but in the second episode they talk in a lot of insightful detail about superhero films and marvel and what is happening with that universe and it's very witty and Mm. it's very dry but obviously it's very much of a a negative um take on what's happening because things are going down for the films and um richard osman in particular talks about how he feels that there should be more of a gap between the different films yeah so it's the, the reason i'm mentioning it is it because I think the general discourse is around, you know, things not going well with Marvel. And it's nice to hear you say something has happened in this film that makes me not necessarily feel more positive towards the Marvel Universe, but makes you interested in what is coming next rather than someone like me who will not go and see this film, probably won't watch it on the telly and has no interest. You know, my interest is totally gone in this. Mm, Okay. So, yeah, I think the the world of the mcu has been contracting uh, and it had to since endgame because they couldn't just carry on adding more characters this is the first time i have felt that the world is expanding again and they are moving forward with something that i am actually interested in as opposed to like the post credit sting to thor which was just oh what, the, the most recent thor yeah have you seen that no okay it i've i've just gone with it i think mm. now it was something that just didn't interest me at all um but yeah yeah so yeah at least i'm i'm clinging on to hope that something's gonna go right for this i mean obviously this film has made a, a huge huge loss mm. um and i'm sad i'm sad for the conversations around the film because it's a, a woman who's directing as women in the cast as you say it's a diverse cast and there's just been some real bollocks that's come out about it including people from the studios themselves 
saying things like, oh, there, was ho- th- there wasn't anyone on set to supervise her. Like, they'd never say that about a male director. No, it's, you yeah. Know, th- no one would be saying, oh, there wasn't anyone on board to supervise Mr. Spielberg. So, you know, well, next time we'll make sure someone's there watching him, make sure he's doing his job properly. It's just, it's, oh, it, I don't even want to go into it because it's just so blooming depressing. Absolutely. Um, But yeah, I'm sad that, it's been used as a stick to beat, you know, the the people who have produced the film. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, it it feels to me like this suffers from Marvelitis rather than problems yeah. with any of the yeah. Banner filmmakers. Absolutely. Um, it's it, it it didn't have anything to do right up until the last ten minutes, and that's a problem. Mm. We're done. We're finished with the new microphones. So, Hello. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> so I think we'll be back soon. Um, we've got—I've got one eye on the top ten list of the year. Yeah, me too. I don't know whether we'll be doing anything before then. Depends if anything takes our fancy. I guess. Comes up. Have you always seen Doctor Who? Um, yes, I have. I well, <laughs> I watched the first episode of the new. Of, well, it's a three three parter, isn't it? With David Tennant. I don't and know. Catherine Tate. So anyway, I watched the first one, which is like the always oh, back with her. Yeah. And then I attempted to watch the second episode, but I was also putting together a flat pack table, which I said to myself, this will probably take me an hour. I don't want to follow talk the about instructions. this table. I think we've spoken enough about this table. And I'll put everything on the floor. I had all the bits on the floor, put it all in order. And I thought, about an hour, that'll be perfect. And I'll watch Doctor Who in the background. I'm just going to read my magazine. Two cause... hours later... I was only on step three. I had done something to a nail that I still can't quite get over. I'd burnt myself because I'd used one of those power tools that I probably wasn't meant to use. That's and correct. then in the end, I had hammered something into the table when you're not meant to use a hammer. And then I nearly had a breakdown. <laughs> and then I told you that I needed to put it in the corner of the living room and step away from it. And I've done that now for the last 24 hours. <laughs> And you were encouraging me, A, not to look at it, and B, not to think about it, because it's causing me so much distress. Um, And I'm sure at some point you're going to work out what I've done wrong with it. Take it all apart again, if you can, because of the amount of hammering and power tools that you're not meant to use that I have used on it. And uh, and then maybe we'll just put it in the bin and buy another one. I was going to say, I'm just going to take it to the tip. (laughs) I think this might be a... So, yes, Mark, I've watched the first episode. I attempted to watch the second. Um, I'll probably go back to it. And I do want to watch the third. I want to see the, I want to say transition, but it's not transition. It's regeneration, isn't it? I want to see the regeneration. Yes. And I'm interested in um, Russ T. Davies coming back and Shruti Gatwa. And the new companion, who I don't know, but I think she was in one of the soaps. You're, you're looking blank at me. I, d- I don't you're know. You're still thinking about the flat pack. I've not watched any Doctor Who since the first few Peter Capaldi's. Are you going to go back to it? I mean, go back to it. I'm never going to go back and watch the Peter Capaldi's. No, but so yeah, are, really are you coming that, back to the show? Are you going to watch these? Yeah, like, I think I might. I think I might. I've just been busy the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, I might I might watch it and then I'll see. Yeah. I, I want to watch it because I feel like it's such a cultural yeah, it's a, a moment, isn't it? And Every Russell regeneration. Yeah. And things like that. But yeah, yeah um, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. You go. Oh, me? <laughs> Deep intake of breath from both of us. Yeah, um, just say thank you very much for, for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. 
If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us at The Honeymoon Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can subscribe, rate and review us anywhere that you get podcasts like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, which I understand is not going to be around for much longer, and Spotify. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm really not good at this bit. It's it's terrible. I mean, you know what that I like about it though. You know, like some people have like a pre-recorded bit that they put at the end of each podcast. Yeah. I like that our listeners know that this is absolutely not pre-recorded. That this is painful every single time we have to get to this bit. A new level of shambolic. Why don't you mention Stitcher that went out of business a couple of years ago? Am I or or blogger? <laughs> Listen to us on MySpace. Lovely, perfect. Great. We'll see That's you next where time. We are. Bye.